Radio Primavera Sound, powered by SEAT. Hello and welcome to the Weekly Review, the show where two grown men and a young ingenue of new trends try to make sense of the modern world with a particular emphasis on the last week because we can't remember any further back. Uh, Johan is away, he's uh, still being a father, but Marvi, our unhinged, delusional girl boss, and those are her words, not mine, <laughs> is here and we're finally talking about Demi Lovato. Hello, Mar. Hello, I have an explanation for everything you can ask me. <laughs> <laughs> it may be this week, it may be next, we're going to see, but this is this is coming. Um, and behind the boards, we have Rob Roman, keeping our rock in order and our role within legal obligation. Ooh, it's just a little red wine, I'll be fine. Not like I want to do this. Every night I've been good Don't I deserve it I think I earned it Feels like it's worth it That was Demi Lovato with Dancing with the Devil, her new single and also the title track of her new YouTube documentary. We'll be getting into that very soon. Also coming up in the weekly review, we wallow in our album of the week, which is Deacon by Serpent with Feet. And we speak to new Sprechenzang sensation dry cleaning. But first, Mar, Demi Lovato. I've watched the first three episodes of her YouTube documentary uh, and I was genuinely shocked. Me too. And, and well, no, it doesn't take that much to shock me, but uh, it was shocking for a normal person even. I, I, I want to get into it. I want to discuss all the details because there's a lot to unpack in just three episodes, 20 minute episodes. But I knew none of this. Like, I, I, I didn't know her whole story. I mean, I knew a little bit, you know, I knew she came from Disney. She was a very big star, you know. Uh, but I certainly didn't know uh, that that she'd had an overdose, that she'd been addicted to heroin. How did you not know? Like that Demi Lovato almost died today. News were everywhere. I don't know. I guess it just didn't get into my bubble. Oh it's my weird. God. I, I thought like even if you're not like a Demi Lovato stan or whatever, that, that news are so shocking that any singer that almost dies gets to your news reader and Demi Lovato certainly like literally almost died there's the doctors in the documentary saying like oh she she was hours away from dying well this is why like one of the reasons it's it's so shocking because like I was I was no I think I did hear something you know like I had heard like Demi Lovato overdose and um but I didn't know anything about this. And as they went further and further into the documentary, um, we should say it's a four-part documentary. Uh, the first three have been released, I think, the fourth? No, the fourth is, is coming a bit later. Um, and it covers a number of topics. Um, but among them was her near-fatal overdose. Mm-hmm. But as, as I got further into this, I was Googling things. Because I was like, really? Oh, my God. And you'd be like, you'd be Googling, you'd be like, Demi Lovato, heroin, crack. You'd be like, oh, Jesus. She, like, she goes no filter in in this documentary which i think is uh, what the documentary is about like seeing everything not leaving any detail out of the recording studio and and it's it's so so shocking like seeing a selfie and and the words underneath tell me the first time on crack yeah i 
how am I a person living thousand kilometers away from Demi Lovato seeing a selfie of Demi Lovato for the first time on crack? Like that is so specific and intimate and the first time on a very hard drug. It, it is constantly this kind of shock. Like, oh yeah, and, and and then the assistant explains how she found her basically dead and and then they make these sketch drawings of of her recreating the scene of the assistant finding her, the ambulance arriving, everyone all these details that I don't know, it's a traumatic experience dying. And and she she's explaining every detail. And she's a celebrity, so of course we would know this happened, but this amount of details, it's the shocking part. Well, I, I thought um, she's been in, in rehab mm -hmm. and um, apparently uh, a lot of people who have been in rehab um, are very honest that when, when they come out because I, th I think kind of, I don't know too well, but I think some of the process of, of rehab is like, you know, being honest with yourself. So when they come out, they're, they're very, very honest. I really got this honesty because like there were moments... In this documentary, I think when when it's uh, Sarah, her, her best friend, is like, yeah. "Are we going to talk about the heroin?" And like, "Yep, you can talk about anything you want." That's like, wow. Like naming the specific drugs she did, the everything, and this is, I think, a, like not a specific. Well, obviously, this is specific to Demi Lovato, but being this open about your flaws and about having uh, like being human, meaning that you do mistakes and stuff, it's something that obviously has been a part of um, pop culture, but now is even more like relevant somehow, like 2020, 2021, whatever this year is, is, is about showing how human you are. It's like your job as a celebrity is to show others that you're just as human and as flawed as anyone else. And just in a few months, we've seen the Demi Lovato documentary, um, Britney Spears, even though she was not the one in control of the documentary, but it was about her being human. Billie Eilish also re recently um, released a documentary on Apple TV, and Justin Bieber also had his YouTube um, docu-series. Even the royal family had a tell-all with Oprah, so it's like a thing that is going on now, I feel like, and... I don't know to which extent it is helpful or not. That that's the thing that has me going now. Because well, helpful for who? For I guess like the well, that's what I, I I decided to take out of the documentary. That Demi was saying, okay, I'm gonna be a hundred percent vulnerable. Something that can be against me and against my trauma because I'm healing in public and that can be difficult. But if I take something positive out of here, I, I will do it. And that is making a, a documentary for people who may relate um, to my struggle or at least bringing awareness to these kind of um, mental health issues, addiction, um, eating disorders, um, all this kind of stuff. I'm bringing awareness to it and, and how it's affecting people. But I don't know if that's that will happen. I don't know if I will take out the awareness stuff more than the kind of morbid entertainment, you know? Because I, I also watch it to know details about famous people and, and their very private lives. And this is this is very true. I mean, we've we've started talking about it and what we're, we're talking about, you know, her overdosing, her taking heroin and, and crack, which is... A, a, 
I mean, it's a big part of it, but there's so many other other things. But uh, one of the things I found really interesting was like this is essentially a promotional film for her new album, and it is not the kind of thing you get as as, as a promotional film. And I I really like that. I just thought the honesty was 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 fabulous. And even she like Demi was even self critical, you know, which I thought I thought was great. Uh, yes, I I really. It made me like um, Demi more than I already did. Like, I did not dislike her. I just didn't have a strong opinion about her. And I have become to really like her now. Um, but I don't know. The fact that, like you just said, that it's a, the promotion for her new album, it makes me kind of worry a little bit because she explains on the first episode or the second one that she, the, the reason she relapsed was because she felt all this pressure for being this image and um, spokesperson for um, sobriety and, and health and, and all this stuff that she as a person who, has, who had recovered from addiction um, became this um, role model for all her fans and stuff and this pressure that she had to carry because of her music is now all about this struggle and um, made her relapse because she couldn't keep up with being this perfect and I, now I'm thinking how is making this documentary any different like I hope it is but you're once again putting all this pressure maybe not herself but also her team is who are all of them the ones that decided to make this documentary putting her in a place to be a very strong role model that maybe but can be know, dangerous I know what you mean but at the same time I think being that honest and getting everything out kind of relieves the pressure in a way because I think maybe and I mean this is this is utterly speculation but I think it's like She's told us all of this thing. It's like no one else can dig up any anything. Mm-hmm. It's like going back to this, you know, uh, like TMZ can't can't sort of run a headline like you know uh, Demi Lovato was found her mouth full of vomit. It's like she's told us this, or like you know that that she she relapsed uh, after going to rehab because she's told us this. And I wonder if maybe that will allow her to feel a lot a lot a lot less pressure because it's like it's out there it's open what what you know what are you gonna what are you gonna get from me you know i hope it is this because it, it's like a 50 50 situation like it can be this because it, you really take the narrative of your own story and in your hands and you don't allow the media to have anything because you're putting it all out there yourself but it also um if demi lovato was to relapse i don't know next year or, or whenever let's hope not I, I really hope she she manages to find her way to recovery but it could happen like she explains that she got out of rehab after the near to death experience and she relapsed just a couple of weeks later because it's very difficult to to recover and it's a very difficult path so if she was to to relapse again um i don't know i i she, I, she would feel even worse because she has put herself out there and she has shown everybody this this vulnerable state and and i don't know what maybe you feel like you have disappointed even more people because now not only your family or friends know about it but the whole world and and that's again lots of pressure but maybe it works i it just it makes me think that it's not a hundred percent certain that this is gonna be helpful i hope it is but 
it can also be once again lots of pressure. One of the things I found fascinating, and this was in episode three um, that I that I just saw this morning, was she was talking about she was slightly critical of her fans, which I thought mm-hmm. was was absolutely fascinating. Like she didn't she she was very careful about the way she did. She said, "I love my fans; they're really great." But sometimes I I can't remember exactly what she said. Sometimes I think they go too far. She was talking about her fans being harsh on on Danny, who's her mm-hmm. her friend and and choreographer, who was basically she was partying with Demi um, the night that she had her overdose and is obviously in no way even like in no way responsible for, for, for what happened but some people took her and she was getting these awful awful mm-hmm. awful comments and I thought it was quite brave again of Demi Lovato to to to, to criticise her fans in the way she did you know yeah, I think it was her way. Well, she, I think, literally says it in the documentary, but to make um, this woman, her choreographer, gain back her reputation because she literally did nothing wrong and, and she al- allows her to have this space to to reclaim her name and, and clear everything up, which is really nice of her to do. And, and, and now that she's in a clearer state, she can do it because I imagine when you're healing you cannot go on instagram and tell all your fans like hey guys it, it wasn't this person so stop so now she's making peace with the fact that these kind of fans um like they did horrible like stuff they they showed like uh, accounts made specifically just yeah. against this woman and it had like websites and everything well it, she was obviously crying in the interview when i i could understand that this kind of because she's not a public person and now she was because of the wrong reasons so and she was been. saying like she lost clients people didn't want to send uh, their children to her dance the dance school of someone who was and obviously quote marks around this is what she said like a heroin user mm. um you know she she wasn't of course which i thought was very strong and and then um Demi talks about she lost her virginity in a rape. It's horrendous. And there's lots of um, sexual assault um, themes, which is crazy that it's plural because it's only her and it has happened multiple times because the time um, she overdosed, she also went through a, yeah, yeah. a, a rape um, situation. So, yeah, um, this, and, and also... And that maybe is not good for me to think about. But I was thinking, who was the person? Because she says she was um, when she was recording on Disney Channel and she was making Cam Rock and everything. So that is probably a, a public person as well. So I'm I'm wondering, who is this horrible person? Because she explains that when she got to talk to someone about it, when she felt brave enough, um, she um, they still um, kept, kept hiring him to to do the films and and to still be on TV, so that yeah. says a lot about the movie industry and the whole Disney Channel thing. But it, it, I don't know. I can imagine being this vulnerable in 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 a documentary. Like she really, really, really puts it all out there and hoping people will make the best out of this and. And I hope they do. But for example, when I w- clicked on the third episode, part of me was like, "Is this the episode about the ex-fiance thing?" Because I, the last thing I knew about Demi uh, after the overdose is 
she got into a really messy breakup with a very mm, questionable person. And I really got into it like in the gossipy kind of way. Yeah. And I was like, I really, I really want to see her talk about this. But uh, not in the, oh, let's bring awareness to it, but in the more... Let's see her give all the details of what she thinks because it was a crazy breakup and and that's uh, that's what makes me wonder are all the people watching just bad people like me or is this gonna be good? Well, do you know when I felt bad was um, there was a clip she was talking um, about being raped and there there was a clip afterwards of someone interviewing her and, and mm. I think she said, "Oh, my songs are are, are about heartbreak." And the interviewer said, "Oh, you're only 16. What what can you know? What kind of heartbreak can you have?" And I I I was thinking like, I could have asked that. I could have easily asked that that question, you know. And you see utterly how inappropriate that question is. But like that that could have been me, like you know. Yes, um, and everyone, I I I don't think the interviewer could ever imagine. Like I, you just think, oh, just sixteen, living her. She's best had a heart broken, yeah. you know. Oh, mm. b- break up, you know. But uh, yes, and and that is what this trend of of celebrities it's it's to show they're they're human. They have traumatic stories, and and it's not not everything is shiny and and beautiful, and they have all this stuff that. We already know being famous is not easy, but when they put themselves there in the camera and being like all vulnerable and stuff, it it, it can be helpful. Maybe, maybe I'm not, I'm just saying it now, and I'm like I don't know. Maybe we will still look at them as if they're not completely human. Like oh yes, they they have traumas, but we cannot really fully relate to them for some reason. Well, let's talk briefly about about this breakup because at the end of episode three, she mentions it, and it yeah. looks like that's what the the, the final episode um, is going to be about. And I, I was looking looking it up. Basically, she got together with a sort of actor singer called uh, Max Eric. Eric. Mm-hmm. Eric. I, I don't know. He. I don't want to be mean, but this person was kind of no one. He was um, on the industry. He did a couple Netflix shows, but. He was not a big star, um, but he had the blue mark on Instagram, so that allowed him to to connect with celebrities through Instagram. Well, the su- the suggestion, which might or might not be true, is that he was just using her to 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 promote himself. He was a cloud chaser, and I guess um, once you start trusting someone to the point you get engaged to him in six months, you don't want to believe that, but. There, there's the, a very big chance that once you're really rich or really famous, people will take advantage of of that. And and this person somehow, well, not somehow, she, um, he used um, Demi in a very vulnerable and state because she was healing from the very recent trauma of her overdose, and she used this vulnerable state where you need people to be by your side and stuff, and got really close to her, and. And that ex- exploded at some point because you cannot keep this facade of every like she has these fans. The Lovatics. Cra- <laughs> yes, Lovatics. Not want to say crazy fans, but the fans that get really involved. And they they found 
all the proof that showed this man was a cloud chaser and and had been trying to get with a celebrity for a long time. Yeah, because he'd been doing the same thing to Selena Gomez, yes, right? Who is and not an enemy to Demi Lovato, but they have this old friendship that ended up very badly, and now they're not on good terms. So the fact that your fiance used to hit on Selena Gomez and be obsessed with Selena Gomez. And when he didn't have the chance to get with her, you were like the second best thing. Makes you feel kind of bad. And and at first she tried to defend him, but there was a point there where there was too many proof. This man was desperately trying to get with a celebrity. Well, the the piece I read suggested that it was uh, the Lovatics that broke them up because basically they they put together this massive Twitter campaign in which they were saying, look, you did this before, you did this before, you you, you called Selena Gomez your wife. Because apparently what he did was, you know, with his blue tick, he he quite, he commented a lot on things Demi was saying, so she'd, she'd notice him, and then like they, they started exchanging DMs or something like that, and he did the same thing with Selena. And basically, on, on Twitter, I mean, it, it was put, basically, in, in the, the piece that I read, which may be true mm. or not, that her fans broke him up. Broke them up or showed her what, because apparently the family and friends um, were not quite sure either of this engagement, this quick engagement. He, they barely knew each other, so it felt very rushed, and it was. Um, and the fans then came up with the proof that this man was not all that good. And then, which is, to me, that's bad. Like, he used you for clout, and he used... Um, you to be more famous and stuff that that's very bad you must feel horrible but the way he handled the rejection and the breakup that's horrible oh dear what did he do and very embarrassing he or um he made lots of um stories on his instagram that were very embarrassing like trying to portray himself as the victim and like oh my god imagine discovering um you your engagement is off via social media or via um, a magazine thing um uh, it was not true like they, they broke up on the phone like they may called him or i don't know exactly what happened so that that was just a, a lie and then because i think he was recording a movie somewhere when they broke up and then when he got back to la he orchestrated like um, paparazzi shots of him like crying on the beach they got oh, engaged yeah, yeah, that, to. Yeah. that that is so embarrassing because you can't tell so much that these are like planned there's like the kardashian paparazzi shots you can tell that they call the paparazzis you can really 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 tell this man called the paparazzis on himself to make Demi see him crying on the beach it's kind of desperate like I get breakups are difficult and stuff but that just didn't work you had if you thought about it twice you wouldn't have done it and then he started um like posting pictures of other girls uh, on his Instagram and and then they asked the girls like oh are, are you dating and they were like oh no I met him just once but I guess we're kind of friends but I don't get why he's using my pictures on his Instagram and it was all to get them his attention it was embarrassing to say the least I've got to say the one I don't I don't know him I don't know mm. very much about him but one thing he did apparently during their relationship which I thought was a bit weird was apparently he used to do lots of um 
uh videos or instagram lives or whatever and like demi would be like sleeping in the background as like, as like as if she was like oh i didn't realize she was there and it's like that's a bit strange yeah Max. he he kind of he is very creepy he did um i did saw a few of these live not on not on live but i saw it afterwards right. and and they are weird you could tell something was off well, uh, that is uh, the new Demi Lovato documentary. Three episodes on YouTube. The fourth one is coming soon. I think uh, you set your reminder for the third. I think I'm going to set my reminder. Yes, for the and fourth. it's going to be the breakup one. So we can be bad people on, on the same time. Because the the last one is, I guess, it's going to be just about the breakup. And that is, that is purposely made for us to be gossipy. Or will it be more about the new album? Will it be like, this is about... Uh, the breakup and then you get back to music yeah because it hasn't it she hasn't talked all no. that much about about her music in just it, so. the 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 song that starts the the documentary it's, it's the new song and that's yeah. it yeah 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 uh anyway um i it, it's it's quite a shocking piece of work um but yeah, uh, so we're going to play just a little little bit of um, a song that features actually very much in episode three of, of the, the uh, documentary um, when Demi Lovato comes back and uh, sings it is at, uh, is it the Grammys? Yes, the Grammys. Uh, sort of solo version at the uh, piano. This is Anyone. Demi Lovato with uh, anyone, and that's a pretty emotional moment when that, that happens. Mm. In she's a really good mm, singer. Yeah, she she really without <laughs> it. Well, no, I, as I said, I didn't really know that much about her, um, and uh, you know that's that's my fault rather than hers. Um, but yeah, good lord, she yes, can sing. When when uh, she does this um, at the Grammys, it's it's really yeah, and she gets all emotional. It's has to stop the song and start again, yes, which which that made, made my heart break a little bit. So our album of the week, now I I, I I sort of it seems it's very different from Demi Lovato. Yes, <laughs> no, but, it, but 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 I don't know. I sort of I I felt like kind of softened up um, for it by by the Demi Lovato not softened up is the wrong word but it kind of like that documentary made me feel quite emotional and quite open to to uh, open to do various feelings and this is a very sweet album so yes. what were you going to say yes yes uh, that's what I was going to say it's like the Demi Lovato um, docu-series leaves you a little bit com- a little bit sad and I don't know this not a bad feeling inside because you're happy she's doing good but it's not the greatest thing to talk about this kind of um, depression and and mental health and stuff. But then Serpent with Feet has this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful album that reminds you it's spring and uh, everybody's, I don't know, like this sweet album that I really, really like. I love his voice. He sounds amazing in all, all of throughout the album. <laughs> what did you think? Well, were you aware of him much before this? I mm, discovered him because of La Rosalia, 
Ah, right. She he opened the show. She did in the U.S. I was not there, but I know he was. <laughs> but so I I looked him up to see why did La, La Rosalia choose this this man to open her shows, and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I really like him too. So I, I I sort of vaguely knew him. I knew his his name, and I think I'd heard some of his music. And my, the impression I had was his music was very angular and experimental, um, and potentially quite cold. Which Deacon, his new album, is not in the slightest. Which I was really really surprised by. It's a really warm, open, um, very listenable album. It is, according to the press release, a study rather than a story delving into black gay love and the tenderness present in the best companionships, romantic or otherwise. And I thought this came across fabulously. Um, the the tiny details in some of the songs I absolutely adored. Like there's a song called Derek's Beard um, mm. and he says, come over here, missing your beard. And all right, when I say it, it sounds stupid. But like in the song, it's like such a lovely <laughs> yes, detail. Yes, I, I get it. I I know what you're saying. Just saying it out loud, just like this. It, it that's on. Or th- there's this one called same um, size shoe, and, yeah. and it's like I don't know. It makes you feel warm inside. And I I really the first song got it almost got me crying. Like in in a like it's so beautiful. I don't know what happens to me lately with the first songs of the albums, but. Uh, I it touched me in in a beautiful way. I don't know how to say it. Like not in a I'm gonna cry because it's so sad, but in a I don't know. It's moving. It's it, his voice is I and I understood from the first song what the album will would be about because yeah. it it gives you from the first second the this warm feeling inside. I often. I, I mean, to, to to pull back the curtain for a second, we were trying to decide what our album of the week would be, and we had a number. We had a number of albums on there, and I I put this on to listen to it, sort of in the background while I was, while I was doing other things. And by the time the first song ended, I was oh right no, and so I had to go back. I was like, I'm going back to listen to this listen because properly. It, yeah, it really is quite special. And there's a line. The first song is called Hyacinth. There's a line I adore. He never needed silverware, but I'm his little spoon, <laughs> which is so cute. It's so cute. It makes me want to be in love and and be I don't know happy all the time. And uh, I don't, this is really difficult to to make me <laughs> be all this happy, <laughs> but but it it makes me want to be all this. Ah, I love spring and and people and everyone. Do you like the Beach Boys? Um, yeah, why not? Uh, I'm, I'm sensing no coming from that. <laughs> no, it's not something yeah, I'm like a, such a Beach Boys fan, but I I know they're like popular. Well, I love them. They're they're probably my favorite band. <laughs> Um, them and craft work you'll be delighted to hear and this reminded me quite a lot of the Beach Boys the way in which um, that he uses voice in particular he's got a gorgeous voice I believe he's gospel trained um, oh, it and makes sense he uh, makes these uh, brilliant um, very I was going to say very simple but no the, the arrangements aren't very simple but like they're uncluttered like again Hyacinth you've got a sort of little acoustic guitar you've got the sub bass um, which is almost like more of a presence than something you actually hear. And you've got the voices, and it's absolutely gorgeous that there's never too many layers on there. No, I I, I don't know how to describe it because I don't know anything about music, but it really puts you in this good mood, not in a like ecstatic, uh, lots of energy, but in a peaceful mood and, and kind of happy about life, especially that it... 
the flowers are blossoming and the trees have the leaves back up. That's I, all I got. And and also, like, I really like the fact um, it's, uh, again, it's, it's about dating black men, which mm. is something I've I've never done. But I thought it was so <laughs> incredibly universal, you know, yes. like... Okay, so he's talking about again going back to the beard. He's talking about you know sort of some with with a beard and and you know boringly enough I've never dated anyone w- mm-hmm. with a beard, but like it, it sort of I, I felt very much like it reminded me of like other details I've had in people I have I have dated you know and I thought it was it was pretty like specific but but universal and that line you were saying like me and my boo wear the same size shoe. What well, love that well, that is so cute. And I love how everything is kind of about falling in love or about mm, his partner. But the last song, um, Fellowship, is like about friendship. Or he, at least the chorus talks about friends or something. And and I really like that as well because I'm like, yes, I love love. I love love that it's like companionship with an, a partner. And I love friendship love because it's also very special. I don't know, it... it, it still carry out this making you relate to the album throughout the whole thing because at the end you think oh yes I love my friends too well I thought that that was um the the last one was like an anthem for this year you know like 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 fellowship um because I I, the story the chorus goes I'm thankful for the love I share with my friends um and after the year we've all had when we haven't been seeing people or maybe seeing by Zoom and it, like, people have been having a hard time, that's just like such a brilliantly universal thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's just like if we had to choose, I think if we had to choose a 2021 anthem and I was feeling an optimistic mood, I, I would probably yes. um, put that song on. Yes, I, I agree. If we could choose two, one of being super pessimistic and another one for being super optimistic. And the optimistic, it would definitely have to be for him because it, it managed to make me feel happy. And Do you know what? The sun was coming out in Barcelona, wasn't it? Like spring has just hit, which is lovely. And this album came out. That, that was, it was it a real... all comes together. It's beautiful. Should we, have, uh, should we hear a little, little bit of that? Please. This is Fellowship by Serpent with Feet. Cry if his you voice, like. His voice is so nice. I I just get him. I want him to sing to me every day. I, that's what Spotify is for. <laughs> yes, maybe. Oh, I guess so. I guess so. I just I just want him to have a really good life. You know what yes. I mean? I was like, yes. 
that's that's the rating we gave the, the album. We want Serpent with Feet to be very happy throughout his whole life. I feel like I would sacrifice my happiness for his, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, in the unlikely scenario that this that this happens. Yeah. But yeah, we're 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 entirely with you. So an, another another band that's well another act that's been um, creating a lot of uh, talk these days is Dry Cleaning, who are. Uh, I've called them a sardonic stealth bomb of post-punk rocking, which is possibly a little unfair because they don't sound entirely sardonic or post-punk. But um, they got a lot of people very, very excited, including, apparently, my young people. Would you look at that? <laughs> young people being excited. Now, you you are a young yes, person. I'm a young person and I'm excited about them. And you made me discover them because I didn't know about them before you told me. So you might be younger than you think. <laughs> you're part of the the group of people who are excited about them. What did you think of them? Um, I don't know. I, it's it's a kind of music and bands that I I'm into. I at least since I I had my phase in which I pretended to know a lot about music. So um, it it makes sense that I put them on my playlist with all these other bands that. I don't want to say that sound like them, but have this kind of same vibe of indie rock. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but I like them. The most uh, incredible thing about them, I find, um, and this is this is, it's all really good. But uh, the, the vocals of uh, Florence Shaw, who fronts them, are really, really quite special. Like she's sort of talking, but it's 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 among the most expressive talking I've ever mm. encountered. You know, she knows how to, like, she puts little pauses in <laughs> and she, like, s- says words in strange ways. And, like, I, I did an interview with them and, and uh, the bass player was sort of saying, like, when she, she does her lyrics, she has, like, the, the kind of pauses written out and she has it really, really, really well worked. Did, what did you get from the lyrics? That's what I was going to say, because I normally don't pay attention to the lyrics. I'm, I don't know why. Not even in Catalan or Spanish. So... This time I was um, surprised because I was listening to it and even without realizing, I, one of them got my attention because it was kind of about like going to a ceramics class just to break the other one's piece or something. And I was like, I totally want to do that. I, I want to join a ceramics class just to destroy this person's um, piece of whatever they made. Are you talking about scratch card lanyard? I've come here to make a ceramic shoe and I've come to smash what you made. <laughs> yes. Do you want to yes. do that? You wanna I want to and- do that. It made me want to do that. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm joining you. I'm coming. Wait for me. See, they, they have this thing where, whereby their lyrics feel um, full of meaning, but hard to understand, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like, yes. they're sort of not... Like some, some lyrics just, just sound like... like kind of totally made up and the kind of nonsense and they're very weird other lyrics are really easy to understand like yeah i love you you know but these are in between because it's like i'm sure there's 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 something really interesting going on underneath but i i don't quite know why and i'd really I like imagine to find them having like personal experiences and very specific personal experiences and then making lyrics out of out of it so maybe it's it's that why it feels confusing because it's it's so specific to something one of them went through that it now it feels kind of just funny. And I, th- I think I've cracked one of their lyrics. Again, in, in Scratch Card Lanyard, they talk about it's a Tokyo bouncy ball, it's an Oslo bouncy ball, it's a Rio de Janeiro bouncy ball filter. Do you know what they're talking about? No. You got me. I think it's Snapchat filters. 
Apparently, there's a bouncy ball filter on Snapchat. That if if that is true, you decoded a very difficult one. Well, no, no. Like I interviewed them. We're, we're going to be listening to a bit of the interview in, mm-hmm. in a bit, which is why um, we're uh, sort of introducing it this way. But I, and, and I asked Florence about that, and she was like, "It's actually quite obvious." And I was like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> so you asked specifically about the lyric, and yes. she said, "You're not that special." No, she was very nice about it. <laughs> she said, she said basically, she didn't really want to like give like an explanation okay. for for everything. But like, if you looked, it wasn't wasn't that hard. And so, uh, I I was sort of tipped off. Well, I mean, it says it says filter quite. Uh, that that's a word that comes up. It's not very obvious, but it is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, okay, well, bouncy ball filter. There isn't a bouncy ball filter on 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 Snapchat apparently. And I never use Snapchat. But. No, okay. You can, we can pretend we have, so okay. it makes sense. Okay, good. I was, I, I was always using that the additional basketball <laughs> filter. So the the full interview, I uh, interviewed them just this very morning. The full interview is going to be out tomorrow when the album comes out. Um, listen to my interview, then listen to the album. All right, agreed. But, Priorities. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then listen to the album twice to make <laughs> up. Uh, but I, I thought we'd just listen to. I've got a three minute clip. Um, in which I ask her, uh, I ask Florence um, about uh, songwriting and the meaning in her words. Oh, <laughs> I, I meant to ask Florence as well. How how important? Where do you put the, the balance between the meaning of the words in your songs and the sounds? Because you've got some wonderful sounds um, in the album, like the way you go, you are, and and the, the purring, mm-hmm. for example. Where where's mm-hmm. the balance between that? I think it's, um, I, do, I guess I don't really think about it. It's more of a, uh, it's it's just really an instinctual thing. Um, sometimes, and also I suppose the sounds are a way of enjoying the performance. Like, you know, the way that you can kind of play with something in the moment is what makes performing fun. Um, and it's nice to kind of introduce a bit of a bit of sort of scope like you know you could you could do it differently each time and I'm sure that's the case for like every sort of um performer really it's like the the sort of little accents you put on things are are kind of a sort of that that's really like the sort of spice that's like the variety isn't it so so it's kind of in terms of the meaning of the words that's something that is nailed down for me sort of early on and is more to do with the, the the sort of the sort of lyrics as a whole, so almost like a passage of writing, and then the sounds and the performance of it is something that then I live with for a really long time, you know, developing all the time. I, I think the the idea of meaning is is very interesting because um, unsmart lady on on the album, um, mm. I only discovered. I think it was yesterday, maybe a couple of days ago, when when it was released a single that that it's um, the lyrics are about body image, and when that was explained, some of them are, some of them are, right. yeah, some of them are. <laughs> I, I suppose when when that was explained, I, I I it made a lot of sense, but I don't think I would have I would have thought that before. Do you, mm. do you feel like do you, do you want to explain what's in the lyrics? Or are you quite happy to be, be quite ambiguous? I'm. I'm very happy for people to um, get what they get from the lyrics. You know what I mean? Like it, the sort of range of people that we 
talk to about them, just like when we're doing interviews and stuff, we get all sorts of interpretations. But largely, largely people do kind of get the feel and the meaning of, of what of what we're trying to do. And that's kind of good enough for me. You know, I, I, I don't feel disturbed at all by people getting, uh, you know, taking something different from them. And I think that I've heard that a lot. People who write lyrics are, are kind of, it's, it's not really, it's not so important that people understand something very specific from them, you know? So there we go. Uh, that was uh, Florence from uh, Dry Cleaning talking about the lyrics. She sounds really nice. She was. In my very, very limited uh, experience of this interview, uh, she was. And uh, so was Lewis on the bass who was there. He, he does, does speak, just not in that particular bit. Listen to the main interview um, where he is there. We will. Good. Is that a promise? <laughs> it, it is, of course. Okay, Never good. Allowed. So, all right. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you are a gatekeep, gaslight, girl boss. What? And this is all inspired by the Suez Canal. All right. I mean, what? What? Uh, let's going... unpack. Yeah. I, and I, I'm a little bit concerned because by the end of it, you might just be as confused as now. So let's do it anyway. <laughs> I think it would be hard. <laughs> so. Okay, so the last few episodes, or at least a couple of them, you've seen me in many stages of my quest to make life meaningful in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm saying, for example, the bimbofication episode, or when I had my witchcraftification yes, yes, yes. recently. So now I decided it's time for my girl bossification. So... Let's, let's unpack that. And why is that the moment that I have to become the girl boss that's inner, that my inner girl boss that's trying to come out? So what inspired me in this journey, and I think most of other people have been inspired by this as well, is the magical boat, the big ass boat stuck in the Suez Canal that has everyone been I don't know, it made everyone so happy for some reason. I feel like we have never been more together as a community than when we were talking about this boat, at least on social media. I loved it. I love that picture of the digger, like this tiny digger trying to... Yeah. <laughs> that was my and favorite. A huge, it is huge. When you saw that picture, like it was tiny next to the, this human-sized truck. Do you know why I think we all liked it? I don't know. I would love to know. Because I think we were just glad it didn't happen to us. Because can you just imagine, like, driving a ship and you're like, oh. okay, oh, God, what have I done? I've blocked one of the world's major shipping canals and I, I don't know how to... I didn't think someone... The, I, I, for some reason, personified the boat. Like, ah, as right. the boat. <laughs> because then um, I was on Twitter um, seeing all, all the community coming together and making fun of, of what was happening. And one of the many, many memes that were on on, on the on the side um, was one of someone saying that the boat had a lot of gatekeep gaslight girl boss energy and I thought that was the most uh, truth a tweet could hold and and not only that it was inspiring me to be like oh my god that boat is totally a girl boss and I should be too 
So I'm on my journey to become a, a girl boss, girl boss, thanks to the boat. Okay, so what? I mean, I, I kind of know the words themselves, but when you <laughs> yeah. put them together, like I'm like, okay, gatekeep gas, gas like girls. What? What is it? <laughs> so I what gonna, is this energy? It, it is so difficult to unpack, especially like sp- explaining to someone else a meme is is kind of taking out all the fun. But I'm 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 gonna <laughs> do my best to to make it make sense and still. I don't know, it doesn't make any sense, but still, let's try. Um, so being a girl boss, which is the first thing you have to kind of get, it is easy to get by the name of it. You can kind of get the grasp that it's basically a kind of pseudo-feminism um, targeted to, to white women uh, with basically the idea that, that you can be an exploiter too. You can be a women CEO. If men can be men CEO and exploit other people and have an ethically amount of money, why shouldn't you, girly, join the boss squad? <laughs> and, and, and that's basically being a girl boss. So it, it's corporate feminism. It's when capitalism thought, oh, we cannot stop this. So how can we monetize it? Let's create hashtag girl boss and, and that's how it happened. So when it first began, I remember seeing lots of posts and, and stuff on, on Instagram and every object that could be um, marketable was being sold with the slogan girl boss. So you would see t-shirts on there on and, and mugs and every object had the, the slogan if you wanted to. And the term was actually coined by, by a girl boss herself. So good, good. It was coined by Sofia Moroso, who is a woman who created um, a clothing brand that was called Nastigal, which is kind of girl bossy name too. And and she wrote like a memoir about her, um, like a self memoir, and and called it hashtag girl boss. So that's when the fir- the right. the term first appeared. So this woman from nothing created an empire, and you want to be her, but. She is kind of controversial herself. Um, she is controversial for ripping off independent um, brands and designers and firing pregnant employees. So <laughs> that makes her a perfect girl boss. Oh, so girl boss is neither good nor bad. Like, it's neither good nor bad, right? So it, actually, that when she first called herself girl boss, it, it was kind of... It was made to be good, like oh, right. if you put your, if you want to, you can do it. If you dream it, you can do it. Um, become the CEO of your life and and make all this money. It's not all about men, blah blah blah. But a girl boss never acknowledges important issues like um, racism, and it's never an intersectional feminism. It's always gonna be like money, money, money. Girls can make money too, even if it's by firing pregnant employees. Girl boss mood. Um, so so that that actually is kind of ironic that she embodied what right. actually um girl boss is because it, it, she didn't invent it in the derogatory f- form but she gave life to it and i was thinking what else i can try to ma- give us an example as girl boss so you can get the idea of it and i think margaret thatcher oh, is the prime example of what a girl boss is do you get it now like questionable morals still a girl boss <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I, i've got it i've got it you i think that if you don't get what girl boss is by having the image of margaret thatcher i don't know how i will be able to explain it but because to me that is the prime example okay margaret thatcher got yeah. it and if you've seen also, I have another example. If you've seen, I don't know if you've seen it because it, I 
haven't seen that many people talking about it on social media, but a few weeks ago, the Cruella de Vil um, trailer came out and Emma Stone is on it. I have seen it, yes. Okay, so um, people were like, oh my God, this is like the embodiment of girl boss energy, this this trailer, this movie is going to be. And someone summed it up perfectly on, on Twitter and said, I hate how in the Cruella trailer, she's all, all like, people try to hold me down. I'm a woman, hear me roar. As though people are opposing her for misogynistic reasons and not because her primary motivation is skinning puppies. Like... A girl boss never gets the point. Like she's doing bad things, and she's like, "No, I'm a girl boss. Hear me roar!" And it's like, "No, no, but actually, that you shouldn't kill puppies or yeah, you yeah. shouldn't hi- uh, fire pregnant women. Like, please don't." So that's a girl boss, right? So, um, and now, obviously, it's kind of this der- derogatory term. It's kind of offensive. It's, it's a joke. Like you wouldn't call someone a girl boss to say something nice, and and this. Tumblr user, the first originated the the, the, the joke that I'm going to explain, um, made a post that said, like in this joking way, today's agenda, gaslight, gatekeep, but most importantly, girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then someone else responded it, taking it a step further and took that typical phrase, you know, like in 2010 when everyone had this I don't know, for some reason, uh, sort of home decor that read live, laugh, love. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, then they took this and changed it to gaslight every moment, gatekeep every day, girl boss beyond words. And and it's kind of the same it would say, live, love, love, but changing it to gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss. So it's kind of uh, the uh, energy that I want to embody. I don't know how to explain it. It is unhinged, it is delusional, and I think it is the moment to, to embrace it. And uh, at least this week that it's the moment that I'm feeling this kind of energy. Like a few weeks ago, I was feeling um, spiritual. So I wanted to go yeah, into yeah. witchcraft. Now I'm feeling like, oh my God, yes, it's my girl boss moment. Let's get it, girlies. Let's get <laughs> let's get working. Um, Skin those puppies. <laughs> basically, it's kind of like you might think um, this doesn't make any sense because why would anyone in their right state of mind want to be a, a girl boss no one should aspire to be margaret thatcher or, no. or cruella de vil skinning puppies it seems horrible and it is but here's where where the th- the thing is and the trick is that to be a girl boss you you have to be and this kind of unhinged and delusional and out of touch with reality so being on the right state of mind, it's to begin with um, not not a requirement to become a, a girl boss. So we have that winning because I'm not on, on touch with reality and I don't want to be. So I have already achieved this part of girl bossness that right. I'm still I'm I don't have to do much work to become a full on girl boss because I'm already delusional. So I'm I'm gonna try to sell it to you so okay, you become on, a girl boss as well. <laughs> so if you take out because we can put it, like, make it our way. We don't have to be a girl boss to the T. We don't have to make England uh, our country to, to like, Margaret Thatcher style. So if you take out, like, the exploiter mindset and the I only care about my own right stuff, um, being a boss, a, a girl boss can be kind of fun because they are always in this positive energy yeah. all the time. You wake up and you're like, yes, the green mo, let's get this grind, let's get moving, let's get um, going every day is a new opportunity for greatness. They have 
they open her their Instagram and their, all the posts they see are like affirmations and and girl boss slogans and they repost yeah she believed she could so she did and and stuff like that so imagine having this power of being this kind of po delusionally positive it's something I really want to get there because it seems like a, a a plan to me it seems fun it seems better than than being really aware of everything that is happening and being really aware of the bad stuff that can come with the boat being stuck on the Suez Canal I don't care if there's all these boats that are being laid under uh, whatever they're carrying and stuff I, I just want to make fun of it and be delusional and, and be a girl boss about it so let my last step of yeah. trying to make this make sense and not sound like um, an asshole is is this one. So, Girlboss, we established that it's a performance of feminism, right? So, it's a performativity that it's basically empty. It, it has no no fight for any important issue. So, it's deconstructing feminism to, to just a slogan. So, if you take something that is already a performance out of something that was a performance of something, you meaning like Gaslight, Gatekeep, mm -hmm. Girl Boss is a performance of Girl Bossism that is a previously a performance of feminism, you end up with a, a new, like, it takes the purpose, of, its purpose away. So it takes away um, this uh, capitalist uh, propaganda thing of feminism. So it's kind of a new superpower uh, which now that I'm saying might actually just be extreme nihilism, but it, we can portray it as an anti-capitalist public service, which sounds a lot better and sounds like something we want to get on board with. So I'm going to gaslight gatekeep girl boss all day because it, it kind of is attacking the, the bad uh, performativity of feminism portrayed in the original girl bossiness. So... Uh, are you on board? <laughs> uh, totally, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I am that boat in the Suez Canal. Exactly. Utterly unfreed. Everyone else can f off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> basically, care. all the all the, the the result of this is, I want to be the boat stuck in the Suez Canal. That's all I want. That's all I'm asking for. And and I want to be th that level of unbothered. Like it's been there like for weeks now. It's unstuck, sadly, but it's been there for weeks. He was completely delusional, living his best life, and and he didn't care about the cows around him. He was just chilling in the middle of this complete disaster. So I want to achieve that mindset. I I wanna, and 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 I'm completely sure that the boat before getting stuck there he got on his instagram he reposted uh she believed she could so she did a post of uh, this inspirational uh, affirmation account and and then got stuck there because she believed she could and she got stuck because she could and i don't know i feel i'm i'm losing my mind while i'm saying all these words because you have to be unhinged to achieve this mindset but it kind of is peaceful as well like i'm at peace with losing my mind and that is where we will stay. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm totally convinced. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to live my life in a very different way from ne ne next week. Let's, you let's exploit some people. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> See you next week. Many years.
Days have passed but you're still charming Rose falling and exploding You can't save the world on your own